Hello and welcome to Arena Craft, a podcast dedicated exclusively to Magic the Gathering Arena. My name is Arjuna, I am your host, and this week I'm stoked we have a little primer on the Brawl format, which, spoiler alert, I really haven't played that much, but I got a good friend of mine in here who plays it all the time to kind of help us muddle through it. And it's available for the next month on Arena, so I think now is a good time for anyone who's been thinking about it to just kind of get into that. So we're going to get to that in just a moment. First, I wanted to remind you that we have a monthly drawing, a monthly contest for a $20 gift card or some kind of reward of your choice. And all you have to do to enter this drawing is one of the following. You have to follow us on Twitter like our Facebook page, join the Discord, follow us on YouTube, or leave a review on iTunes. Those iTunes reviews get a little extra weight towards helping you get that $20 gift card. So that really helps our community. And, you know, we don't have a Patreon. And so if you want to just support this show in any way that you can, then doing one of those small, simple things is truly enough. So I really appreciate that. And so without further ado, let's get into our scheduled programming. And now I'm excited to bring in a personal friend of mine to this show and somebody who I play Magic with on a weekly basis. So this is really cool. I've been talking with him for Magic now for probably over a year and playing a lot with this guy. And he has an incredible depth of history with the game. And he's going to be here today to talk with us about Brawl, give us a little primer on Brawl, and also get into a little bit of mental health during these crazy times. So without further ado, let me introduce my friend John Peterson to the show. How are you doing, John? Today is great. It's sunny outside, and uh, I'm really happy to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Dude, it is a pleasure to have you here. I, you know, And I've been talking with you for a while about uh, trying to get you on this show because you just have a lot to offer from a lot of different angles. And this is really a perfect time because you work with public health and the brawl queue has just basically been opened up to people for the month. Woohoo! Yeah, and I know that it is one of your favorites, if not your favorite format. So I'm really excited to get into that because I'm a novice. And I, I'm going to be learning as much as anyone else on this show. So I'm, I'm always excited when I get to do that. But first, I just wanted to ask you about your history with the game, because I know you said you've been playing since 96. Is that right? Uh, yep. First year of high school. I'm an oldie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot of us are, man. A lot of us are. <laughs> I'm that gray haired dude at the corner of the table that the new young players are like, what? That guy's playing here? <laughs> Who just ends up wrecking everyone. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> With a smile. <laughs> right, right. That's what we can aspire to in magic is to be like the gentleman who wrecks people. <laughs> I like that. The gentleman who wrecks people. I might steal that. <laughs> That's going to be your subtitle. <laughs> so just take us through a little bit briefly. What has your trajectory with magic been over the years? So it was uh, like this german teacher in high school who just loved the geeks and for for whatever reason we had this uh student who was bilingual who just 
loved hanging out with us, an exchange student, and we all got into magic at the same time. Somebody bought a deck. I can't remember. And this this uh, teacher let us play in the free period um, at the end of school in the corner of this room rather than doing work. She was like, ah, I don't really care. You guys are all in my classes and I like you. And it grew from like each of us just having a 60 card deck. You just brought your best 60 card mishmash of any card you could find at that time, go to the card store and buy singles or you buy a couple packs. Um, But then as my friends and I just sort of started playing more frequently, a couple of us started having jobs a little earlier than others, spending more money than others. And all of a sudden we had forums and decks that were a little more tuned and it became far less fun to do a 60 card magic really, really quickly. So you were that guy, basically. Well, you know, it's like I wanted to explore what happened when you had four of certain cards. And it wouldn't have to be four of every card, but why wouldn't you have four lightning bolts in every red deck? You know, at a time when you weren't really thinking about things like format and it was just casual kitchen table magic. Yeah, I I just think back on what was going on at that time. I remember I had a deck. This This would just never fly these days. I had a deck with four soul rings in it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. to start, right? That was the start <laughs> of the deck. And I think I had four surrender befreet. I was playing four counter spells. And, you know, I had a I had a friend who just had like, you know, their random 60 card whatever deck. And I remember at one point they just looked up at me and they were just like, I'm not having fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there was also some things at that time that made the game not fun if you were playing by all the rules, because we, we actually played at that time by ante. And I remember a couple very oh, salty gosh. games where y- you would cut the deck in the bottom card if it, you know you you dig till it wasn't a basic land, and that was the card you played for. And so the bottom card of your deck was up for uh, grabs. That's so and, stressful. Oh, it was. And I remember getting my friend's icy cauldron, <laughs> and Ooh. he was so upset. He's like, you got to trade that back to me. And I'm like, I don't have to do anything. I just won your card for Andy. <laughs> and I did trade it back, but I remember this salty moment where it's like, okay, we got to stop doing this. Yeah. You know, of course, magic changed those rules very quickly. Yeah. I know. It's like you look down the list of cards that are just banned from every format and like half of them (laughs) are anti cards, right? Gambling cards. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, totally. Yeah. The legal thing, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So let's fast forward on from your high school. Like, where did magic take you after that? So it was, uh, I think we just had to level the playing field. College, you'd find new people playing. People would have all this kind of different experience with cards. Most of them knew how to play. So Cube became like this really neat, fun thing to develop. Um, Because I I remember the last and only time (laughs) I tried playing a constructed deck. And it was the week before Skull Clamp had been banned. Oh, no. And so everybody had rotated Skull Clamp out of their deck. And so I go to this tournament in Tacoma, Washington. And everyone's like, what? You're still playing. Like I didn't have any of the rare cards, but I still did okay because yeah, <laughs> or skull clamp at the time. Um, but so we realized, like, had to cube, had to draft, had to do these things that leveled the playing field, so that anybody who was around you could join your play group and you could build a quick circle of people as you transition from like high school to college and college to wherever you're going next. Um, so keeping a cube in your back pocket, I think, is like one of the facets of being a magic player ready to go oh yeah 
Well, and just, uh, you know, we won't go into the details here, but John has actually created a number of cubes in his time, including a Simpsons cube, which is all new card designs. So John basically designed his own set for the purpose of cubing, and I've played it a couple of times, and it's amazing. So mad props to you, John. That is just like, like who does that? Who has done that? That's incredible. <laughs> Someone with a lot of, uh, you know, passion for this hobby. And, uh, you know, you, uh, again, you, you try constructed, it gets old. You try these formats that are, I think, more based in, in money and finances and more competitive. And people enjoy those kind of formats for different reasons. Um, but most of my playgroups don't enjoy that competitive of magic. So, um, yeah, when I got to Eugene, Oregon, started playing draft all the time. And there was this competitive group of people that came regularly and two shops were in competition to try and get as many drafters as they could. So being a drafter was like super, super awesome here in Eugene at that time. So I got really good at draft and I think drafting also improves your skills as a magic player. Uh, dramatically compared to other formats, just learning to assess cards quickly, which I think also is, you know, also involved in EDH Brawl, these other really cool creative formats that have come out. Totally. Could not agree more. And it's one of the most consistent ways that you and I play together. Um, So I love it. So when did you start playing Arena? Oh, I was involved in the beta beta, like like that first email where everyone's like, oh, they didn't send me it. Like I got it. You got it. Like, nice. I was one of the first <laughs> week on and uh, never stopped. I devoted, you know, probably some time most every day to playing arena since that day. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely an early adopter from my perspective. You were playing from the time when Kaladesh cards were available on Arena. Oh, which that was so fun. I know. It stretches. I mean, that's one of my favorite sets of all time. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of envious of that. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that I love about playing with people who've been in the game for as long as you have and as consistently as you have is that there's just like, there's this breadth of knowledge and understanding. And I also find that the people I know who've been doing that the longest are often the most creative. And I wonder if it's just because you get bored of of the boring stuff, right? You know, you're just like, (laughs) great, like another vanilla deck. Like, I know how this goes. Another good friend of ours, I I think, has kind of experienced this as well. And I, I, with him, have sat down for, you know, over a decade and we've probably developed easily 30 different unique formats for how you just sit down with another single player because it gets old doing all the same old stuff. Yeah, seriously, seriously. And so I'm excited because Arena has, you know, they've decided during this time of the coronavirus that they want to give a little bit extra to the community, give people more ways to engage with the game and keep themselves entertained. And so now they've made the Brawl queue just open to anyone for the entire next month. And so I thought that this would be a really good chance for us to get into that uh, as a unique format, which I think many of our listeners may not have played or may have only played briefly. And again, like I said before, I'm new to the format. I have very few games under my belt. So I'm really excited to dive in and discuss this with you because I know that you've just been playing Brawl consistently since it came along. So the the first thing I wanted to do with you 
in terms of this is to just go over the basics of the format. So, Johnny, why don't you just give us a little overview about what are the fundamental rules of Brawl? You have right now currently 92 options uh, between monocolor, colorless in Karn and Ugin, and multicolor legendary creatures and or planeswalkers to seat at the helm of your deck, much like um, people I believe are, are more widely familiar with Commander, very similar to Commander. There's a command zone for said Brawl Commander. Um, so you get to select from the available options, anywhere from you know, Mono White to Johnny, two options there, Gadwick, throw in your favorite multicolor card, um, and uh, that will helm your 60-card deck. And within your deck, you will be putting cards that are only within the color, what is it, identity now? Is that what they call it? Yeah. Card identity. The colors in, in the top right corner of your card, and I guess uh, in any activated abilities in the body of the card, will mm -hmm. determine the colors that are legal in your deck. Exactly. So that's a good thing just to note right here for people who haven't played Commander before. A mm -hmm. card like Kenrith, the Returned King, will actually allow you to play a five-color deck in Brawl, even though Kenrith himself is only a white card. But because the activated abilities on the card are in all five colors, that allows you to play all five colors, which is pretty sweet. It's very cool. Um, and I will also add the uh, goal being the same as most um, games of Magic to reduce the opponent's life total, obviously. But this format, I believe you start with 25 life. And that commander sits in a sort of a different zone, the command zone. And from that zone, it's kind of like your hand, kind of like Exile. It is its own unique area. And it comes into play um, with a couple cards specifically in in the game but otherwise the command zone allows you to play it from this zone for its mana cost and when your commander i believe changes zone of any kind to your hand to your graveyard to your deck to exile is destroyed um, you have the option to then put it back in your command zone or let it go to that area that it's otherwise going to go Totally. So as I just discovered today when playing, I was playing a deck with Roalesque as my commander. And right. as I learned, when a commander <laughs> dies and you return it to your command zone, it doesn't actually die. So <laughs> it introduces some interesting aspects to the game. And it, just like you said, effects that return a commander to your hand don't necessarily do that. Um, any commander that has like a graveyard synergy, you know, like a commander with escape on it, you mm -hmm. you can, you can elect to have it go to the graveyard, but mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily do that. And so it definitely introduces some interesting wrinkles and um, it's good to familiarize yourself with those rules before you play the format. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so 60 card format, singleton format, you can't have more than one card of any type in your deck that includes lands so the the only multiples you can have in this format are basic lands now mm -hmm. this is one thing i didn't uh discover but you can't play like 
persistent petitioners, right? You can't do a bunch of those in your deck either. That's unique to this format as well. You can. Okay. You can play seven dwarfs. I believe you can. Oh, you can. Okay. You can. Okay. Interesting. What's also, they just added, a, didn't they just add, oh, it was pack rat. I don't think pack rat's a multiple rat. Okay, got it. So, you know, so that's an interesting thing to contemplate. You could be one of those people who just decides to run persistent petitioners in every format that is legal. So uh, you can do that if you <laughs> if you care to. So this opens up interesting possibilities, right? And I think one of the things that can be daunting about getting into Brawl is just getting used to the idea of it being a singleton format. Because in pretty much every other constructed format, other than the other commander variants, you have your usual magic distinction of being able to have four of any card in your deck except for the restricted cards, right? So that's one of the first things that I wanted to ask you about was how do you have to start thinking differently about deck building in a singleton format, what are the thing? What are the concerns that you face when you're doing this? It's a really good question because I think the desire when you're doing these sorts of more fun formats is to play the more fun cards, and a lot of the more fun cards cost four and five and six and maybe eight and ten mana. Um, but like most decks, you still want to have a decent curve in mind. Um, you know, also keeping in mind there's 25 life. So unless your deck is swarming with 10 to 12 one-drops and you're playing Thorbran, you know, the goal of your deck is probably to get to more of a mid or longer term goal of the game. So that means that we're probably doing things like maybe running a little bit of uh, extra acceleration, ramp kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Probably, you know, you see more mana rocks in this format than you do in in a lot of other formats and just for any of you who don't recognize that term a mana rock is colloquially an artifact that taps for mana now this format you have access to well probably more than two cards but there are two cards in this format that you can't play in the regular standard format which are command tower and uh is it arcane signet is that the name of that card that's correct okay and so both of these are cards that tap for any color of mana in your commander's identity. And just so you know, these cards are bonkers, and they're both common, I believe. So you should just, when you're getting into Brawl, immediately just craft both of these cards Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they're going to go in every deck, and they're frankly overpowered. You wouldn't, Arcane Signet, you would never see a card like that in standard. It would just be too strong. Uh, same with with command tower. I mean, a, a, an untapped land which just taps for any mana of any color, and that that your deck can play, and that's that, is basically unheard of in like a regular constructed format. So I would highly recommend that you start every brawl deck with with one of each of those cards. I think there's a third card of mention. It's called Tome of Legends. It's an artifact for two, comes in with a page counter on it. And then again, when your commander enters or attacks, you put another page and then it allows you to draw a card by tapping it and removing one of those counters. Mm, okay. So is that that's another card that you basically want to run in all commander decks? Or brawl decks, I should say? 
it's a it's another one to consider that is commander specific and mentions the word commander because I think that and the two you mentioned are the only three that specifically are um, mentioning this format. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so we generally see people running these decks with a little bit more acceleration. People running decks with a little bit more top end, and. Part of that, I think, is is also just that you want to consistently be able to cast your commander, and a lot of the a lot of commanders do cost four or more mana because you know you're playing planeswalkers, you're playing these legendary creatures. Outside of a couple edge cases like Gallia or something, they just tend to be a little bit more pricey, and so you are kind of incentivized to just play a bigger game plan and. I think that that's one of the things that I learned coming into this format is early on, if you're not thinking big in this format, then you're probably not thinking big enough. So, and that was something I learned with Commander as well, is that you can't just build like your typical curve out deck in a format like this and expect to get there. And it's not that that never works. Like sometimes you, you know, you, you zag on them, right? So sometimes you might get away with building a super focused aggressive deck precisely to punish people who are trying to play this long go over the top game. But if you're going to do that, you have to specifically know what you're doing. I would advise to not try to approach the format like that from the beginning because what you're going to see a lot of when you get into this format is people will have things like, you know, they'll have Thassa Deep Dwelling as their commander. And then as you get into the game, you start to understand that the entire deck is built around blinking things with Thassa. And I think one of the things that's easy to forget about this format is that one of the appeals of, of running a format like Brawl is that you can always cast your commander. It's always there available for you, Right. So if you build a deck around a card like Thassa, generally you might lose games because you just didn't even draw it, right? But that's not going to happen in Brawl. You always have access to it. And so as a result, you can craft a very, very, very focused game plan around these powerful cards and you really get to benefit from, from that. And whereas in some standard decks, you know, unless your deck is really tuned, some of these cards are arguably unplayable in almost the entirety of the standard format. Yeah, totally. And, you know, you'll see these, like, legendary creatures, right, that are just generally you can't run them in your, your regular standard deck, but because you can consistently cast them in this format and because you can consistently craft a game plan around them and also because you can buy them back. So that's a, something that we haven't mentioned about this format yet, is that when your commander dies, whether it's a planeswalker or a legendary creature, it will you will have the option to return it to your command zone. And when it does return to your command zone, it ups the cost of that card by two colorless mana. Two generic mana, I should say. And so each time you recast it, it's going to cost you two more. Now note that that doesn't, it doesn't happen when you cast the card from your hand. So this is only when you cast it from your command zone, it gets more expensive. So that's another thing that you can just build around is that, okay, I have this legendary creature, it got killed, I can cast it again. And so it just further reinforces the idea that you can very, very closely build a game plan around a specific card and expect to have that card on the battlefield 
in most of your games. All right, so we've identified that this is kind of a, a bigger format. And one of my questions coming into this format, and I'm hoping that you can help us to focus around this, John, is what kinds of removal do you need to be running in this format? Because I have a feeling, you know, you're going to be seeing a lot of planeswalkers. I also have a feeling you're going to be seeing a lot of artifacts, stuff like this. So do you find that in playing Brawl, you tend to benefit from main decking cards that deal with permanents like that? There have been a vast number, thankfully, um, and an increasing number of spells and abilities that have the word or, or and or on them. Um, an example being Mortify, having options like that, or even Assassin's Trophy where you can uh, target any non-land permanent um, are going to be really important facets of this format just to assure yourself that no matter what sort of random deck you're going to come across, um, you've got at least a couple considerations for that random card that might be the corner of their deck that is some sort of infinite combo or, you know, really strong, hard to deal with right uh creature so yeah exactly like the cards you mentioned also i'm thinking about cards like bedevil cards like angrath's rampage murderous rider mm-hmm. eat to extinction mm-hmm. i'm actually not run against many decks running counter magic um and uh i, I believe that uh tales end for example. Totally. We'll always have a place in this format um, yeah. because it counters anything legendary. And so since the format's based around continually playing that, um, there's always going to be a risk that, you know, those two mana open on the blue player have that card. Um, but otherwise, I, I do feel like those cards you mentioned, um, just general destruction spells or you know, cards like Brazen Borrower that can just sort of return any target permanent to a hand are going to have really important um, sort of targets and needs in this format. Mm-hmm. How about Disenchant style effects? Do those end up being worth it? I would probably say most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of any of the decks that I've made in this format that don't, you know, try and explore some sort of fun, unique corner of magic that usually involves you know playing things like artifacts and enchantments and auras yeah you know i feel like even as a base level just hitting someone's mana rock on turn two or whatever is like totally fine right mm, evil yeah it's a really strong play in this format actually yeah because you know it's like every deck's running that signet right and and a lot of them are running at least one other mana rock mm -hmm. so yeah I was also thinking about, you know, just expanding the color pie a little bit. I would also imagine that uh, other strong removal spells in this are like um, Banishing Light. Ooh, very strong. Yeah, mm -hmm. any of those generic white enchantments that will just exile a permanent. Uh, there are a couple in this format, and I think those are all really worth playing. I even wonder, do you, would you run one with the stars in this format, or does that kind of leave too much on the table for your opponent you know again i think like just having even more than one option is really smart to consider mm -hmm. so when you're playing um you know you're considering something like murder you know you might consider paying 
you know, another mana for um, what's the murder with surveil or something that gives you like an extra little bit of option because waiting one extra turn might not be the end of the world in this format because you're starting with extra life as well. And things are so powerful, right? That having the flexibility is better than the speed. And you're also going to have the chance to catch up with your powerful plays as well. So I think that's that's a really good point is just to remember that not always, but this format can be a slower format and definitely just like a more building towards kind of a format. It's interesting you ask about removal. I, I just opened my, you know, Nikol Bolas Brawl deck in front of me because it's obviously focused on a lot of removal in it. And every card in the two drop category is a <laughs> removal spell that has some unique secondary feature. So Callous Dismissal makes a token. Liliana's Triumph, they discard a card if I also have my Liliana in the deck in play. Chandra's Triumph, the same. Uh, Scorching Dragonfire, you know, because you have a creature or Planeswatcher target. Um, Thought Erasure, I think, is a really strong card in the format in general, just being, or uh, Agon, what's the new black one? Yeah, Agonizing Remorse. Right. Um, those are really strong. Tyrant Scorn, Angrass Rampage, as you mentioned, just options on options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was also thinking that because every single commander in the format has to be legendary, whether it's a planeswalker or a creature, I just think any spell that has the word legendary printed on it is worth considering. Like I just made a deck today and I was running Price of Fame, and I think a lot of our listeners don't even know what that card is, right? Because we have not seen it in standard basically ever. But it's a removal spell, which costs two less if you control a legendary creature. And so if your commander is a legendary creature and you're playing black, that's basically an auto-include in the deck, in my opinion. So I just think that that's, you know, you you need to think in a more legendary way (laughs) when you're playing this format (laughs) because it's all about that. And that's why Tail's End, like you said, is such an important card, right? Because it's just basically a it's the most efficient counter spell in the game basically for a legendary creature or planeswalker right so i think that i'm i'm trying to think of any other card like that i think uh bounty agent comes to mind mm, remind us what that does bounty agents the tutu vigilant soldier uh for one and a white and you can sacrifice it to destroy a legendary permanent that's either an artifact creature or enchantment. Okay, so yeah, that's probably really good in this format, huh? Again, more than one option on a 2-2 bear um, yeah. that has vigilance is is probably not going to be without targets. Yeah. Uh, Circle of Loyalty is the only other one coming to mind in white. Um, Circle of Loyalty is the six-drop legendary artifact that when you're casting legendary spells, you also create two two night tokens with vigilance. Nice. Yeah, so again, these are just cards that you might not really consider in a normal format, but because of the specific nature of this format, they just do extra things for you. Another one that just came to my mind was the Mana Rock in Theros Beyond Death Right, it's uh, the Altar of the Pantheon. Altar of the Pantheon, exactly, right? So I'm not necessarily saying that card is great, but it's going to get extra utility in a format like this. So yeah, that's just other things to be thinking about. Awesome, okay. So something that I wanted to ask you about, John, was you've been playing this format a lot, 
And I wanted to see if you had a sense of regular decks that you're going to run into a lot and just the kinds of stuff that you need to be prepared for when you're playing this format. Unfortunately, Teferi comes to mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. It's kind of, you know, the dreaded card of standard uh, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it the format allows for you to explore differently than people who are familiar with Commander. You know, the difference that makes Brawl unique fun, in my opinion, um, is playing Planeswalkers uh, as your commander. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've... I believe that I have seen um, more than less decks with Planeswalkers at the helm. Okay, that's interesting to note. I think that, you know, a lot of them have these unique and uh, ultimate loyalty abilities that, you know, you build up to, and then when you sacrifice them, and otherwise in standard, you'd have to look for your next one. And in this format, by the time you've built it up and have used this ultimate ability, you and I were talking earlier about Mu Yanling or... Uh, you know, something like that, where there's this incredible minus seven or minus eight loyalty ability, <laughs> then you just get to replay it sometimes that same turn and reuse the first ability again. Yeah, that's filthy. And especially the cheaper your Planeswalker is, the more likely you ought to be able to do that, right? You got it. Yeah. So I, I know, I noticed this too. Like I was playing today and I ran into a number of decks playing the Royal Scions as their commander. Interesting. Yeah, which I think, you know, when I think about it, it's quite strong because it helps you filter through your deck. It is a highly synergistic card. And, you know, that just makes a lot of... And, and when it, it has a high loyalty, so you get to hopefully do a number of things with it. And then the next time you have to cast it, it's only five mana, right? So... I think a card like that is a perfect example of a card that can be very versatile in this format. I don't know how good it is, that one specifically, but I definitely would take a look at the three and four mana Planeswalkers across standard as an inspiration because you're probably going to have a lot of strong options there. And that's what you will tend to run into more of. And if you are a player who, like me, wants to be somewhat to mildly to maybe on a 50 or percent you know 50 percent or more curve winning yeah a game or two um, (laughs) every now and then you might want to have a little bit more competitive sort of style to it and so you know in general with magic if you're looking at a five and a six or a seven drop your deck needs to be differently formatted to support playing that as your commander so starting with some of the lower drop lower costing um, planeswalkers and legendary creatures is it's kind of a smarter place to start mm-hmm. okay that's that's a good thing to keep in mind then for our listeners who are just getting used to the format and another thought to to my dismay <laughs> is that they did just adjust the format um not that long ago with oko but now again with golos being banned unfortunately oh yeah were you a fan uh well i had to adjust i think six (laughs) different decks oh no (laughs) you know from him at the helm because it's just so much fun very much like uro yeah um the the planeswalker or creature that allows you to either inflate your mana or extend your mana or accelerate your mana like golos and uro allow you to then just more quickly play them 
another time. So people would have answers for Golos and you would already be half of the way to paying its additional two cost. So your next turn, you could just simply play a mana and play him again. Um, so he became too much of a problem to deal with. So I'm bummed because I loved him and for the format being adjusted and more people trying to get into it. It's way better because I think it would become, dare I say, the mono red <laughs> of Brawl. Well, and especially given the fact that A, Field of the Dead is still form, uh, legal in this format, right? And B, Golos is both a colorless commander and also a commander that lets you play spells of any color. So I think that that combo right there, like being able to always play your Golos, whether you have the five colors of mana or not, and also being able to fetch up whatever land you want, I can definitely see why Golos was a standout in this format for just being a bit too powerful. My favorite was a mono, I called it mono green Golos. Because it, <laughs> sim- it simply ran all, every green ramp spell, every green mana ramp and him. And, you know, you all you would need to do is splash Chromatic Lantern to get to the five colors or have played the Goose and then the Paradise Druid and the Gift of Paradise. And all of a sudden you've got all five colors and it's only turn five and he's already out. Um, and so you can use the seven mana ability on him, you know, sometimes way too early to be fun for your opponent. That's devilish. I'm imagining the combination of Nissa and Golos in a deck with, with filtering like that is probably pretty disgusting as well. Row it on in. <laughs> All right, shout outs returns this week. I have a few shout outs from some members of our community. So let's get into it here. Mr. Granadas says shout out to JTrain145 for running Team of Flash. Destroying you felt satisfying, especially after you started roping. Couldn't agree with you more, Mr. Granada's always fun to beat Flash. Also, community member Shamru Albert gave a shout out here. I have to shout out to Rich G for two great games. They go on to say, I use my zombie against his first deck, not sure what he used, and my sack deck against his Niv deck the second match. Rich G responds, lots of fun, Shamru Albert. First match, I tried out my Esper Command the Dreadhood build that ended up drawing all my big things instead of putting them in the bin. Fun games. Also had a sweet shout out from Kenja, just saying want to give a shout out to everyone in this Discord channel. I've been out here working these last few weeks and frankly it's made me very high stress. It's been nice having people to talk magic with and everyone is super positive here. Just keep being awesome everyone. So yeah, a little community love going on there. The Discord really is a sweet place to hang out and so if you've been looking for a community to hang out and chat with friends in, discuss deck lists and whatnot. This one's a very welcoming and friendly place. I guarantee you will have a good time there. Thanks everyone for the shout outs and you can make your own shout out by going to our shout outs channel in the Discord and just leaving whatever comment you desire. If you wrecked someone on the ladder, if someone wrecked you, if you have a grudge match that you need to follow up on, go ahead and jump in there and shout them out. All right, back to the show. Okay, so you're seeing a lot of Planeswalkers, you're seeing a lot of Teferi. Is there anything else that just comes up consistently in the format that you're thinking about when you're building your decks? Thankfully, I would also say you you end up bumping up against the three-color, unique, niche 
Planeswalkers a bunch. You know, I've I've run into a lot of the um, decks built around Alela and Yarok. Um, Yarok seems to be really popular because it does have a little bit more of an overlap into standard. But the Naya Multicolor Angel Rien, Angel of Rebirth, which gives all your other multicolored creatures plus one plus zero. Oh. Then when a multicolored creature dies, you return it to your hand. It's like you would never play this in like a competitive standard format, but you can definitely throw it at the helm of a Naya multicolored creature themed deck with really easy and good mana support right now. That's awesome. So let me ask you about that. In your multicolor decks, I, I'm imagining you're probably just trying to run as many of your dual lands and like always running your fabled passage and that kind of stuff as possible. Is are there any other tips that you would give for people wanting to run three plus color decks in this format? This kind of relates to why I, I sort of fell in love with this format in the first place. Um, and I think this relates back to arena in general. Um, arena is a format that can be for some people. And I'm sure we've all seen those opponents where it's a pay to play. They paid for sleeves. <laughs> they paid for, you know, the fancy, you know, borderless, whatever on a card and you know a lot of us are just playing it because it's free and you build up your coins and you build up your gems um and so what is so awesome about this format is it's a one of format so that's where you can start with your deck building you can be a brand new player to arena and basically have enough cards in your collection without having to have four of each card to add them. And, and Man is a really good example because there are two rare um, lands that are the, the two colored lands in each two color combination, but the Temple and the, the as they're called, Shock Lands from the Ravnica set. Um, but otherwise, the Command Towers are common. Most of us have a common wild card sitting around to go buy a Command Tower right now. Um, and then each color combination also has now the gain a life land, blossoming sands, for example, in, in green, white, and then the guild gate also both commons. So without putting a ton of effort and cost into this format, you can start with a pretty decent mana base, like you suggested already, arcane signet, also a common. Um, so right there, you've got a half dozen commons that can start you out in a multicolored deck and allow you to then explore a, a multicolor uh, combination for a, for a Brawl Commander. Right. So I'm glad that you brought this up because it's another reminder to me about why Brawl is a bit of a slower format, is that you're not guaranteed to have excellent mana every game, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. <laughs> if you're not running a monocolor deck, you know, you're probably going to have a fair number of tap lands in your deck and you're not going to have four shock lands in your deck, right? So you just, you cannot count on having any kind of multicolored deck consistently having hitting untapped lands on turns one through four, right? So that's just another thing to remember and consider about why this format is a bit of a dirtier and slower format. And yeah, it's, it, that, that makes it, I think, sometimes feel less competitive to the competitive Magic player but to the general population that I experience playing Magic right now, I feel like most of us, including myself, have 
as much of a draw to play something casual these days as they do competitive. I definitely have because I'm just a little bit tired of the standard format at the moment. And I'm, I don't necessarily think it's standards failing. It's probably more my failing. But I'm just I'm really ready for Ikaria to come out because I've reached saturation with a lot of the archetypes in this format. And I, one of the reasons for that is just because a lot of the archetypes that were viable in the previous format are still viable in this format. And whenever you see that in standard, whenever you don't have a set coming out that produces a lot of new archetypes, like Eldraine, for example, um, then things can start to get a bit stale. Like people had a problem with Eldraine, and I agree. I mean, it was a very overpowered format. But one of the benefits of that was that it created all of these new archetypes, right? Like you had the Fires archetype, you had all the Clover archetypes, the Adventure um, decks. And there was just so much going on, right? And I think one of the things that's been draining me a little bit about the Theros set is that a lot of the archetypes that we're seeing are just kind of rehashes of old archetypes. And so I'm, I'm really hoping Ikari is going to shake things up. But in the meantime, I'm just probably going to be slamming Brawl for at least the next month while the queue's open. Well, how funny was it when they threw this uh, random format on for I don't remember how many days that was giving us all the opportunity to go and play the, the top performing decks that we're all going to go play against each other? Oh, right. Yeah. And uh, how ridiculous was it that they offered us all this opportunity to play really in the end four decks? I think there was like 12 options. But they're all the, <laughs> they're all the, the same, same four decks. So it wasn't as, you know, as full of variety as it appeared. You looked through them and it was like, oh, didn't I just look through? Oh, I did just look through this deck. Oh, I did just play this. I thought it was a different... Oh, it is a different owner. It's like, they, you know, that that is exactly what I think is defining the format right now. And, and to you, you know, Arena's credit, it doesn't have to be that because I think you do run into more casual players. But I imagine I've never taken the time to take it to the competitive top zone and jam the same competitive deck so much to try and get to a ranking on this game because I also enjoy all the varieties of formats. I think that's what makes Arena really cool and Brawl's especially cool for that reason because it's just one more button to click when you're <laughs> yeah, opening it up. That's not, you know, the last one that you did. I, I totally agree. I'm really excited to, to dive into it more. So before we transition here, are there any final thoughts that you have about Brawl and what players can be keeping in mind to help them just get a little bit of an edge in this format? My my personal thoughts are just start with Uro. Okay, <laughs> love okay. Love them or hate them. And if you're not an Uro fan, you might be a Croaks fan. And if you're not a fan of either of those, then, you know, maybe start with the uh, one of the gods. Okay. Um, but start with one of the new fun cards and explore the format a little bit with something that has indestructible or something that's cheap and fast so you can kind of gain a little bit of perspective um, for how the format works without risking your deck being so slow that you're not going to be playing anything or being competitive at all. That's a really, I, I like that. I think that's really cool. Another thing that I would advise people to do is if you are going to build around a commander, like a, um, a legendary creature, I would recommend building around a legendary creature that is is a value-based commander. So like Yarok you mentioned earlier, 
is a card where it's pretty easy to look at Yarok and think, okay, enter the battlefield abilities. And then that's just most of your deck, right? Is creatures with enter the battlefield abilities. So that kind of helps you focus yourself a little bit more. Or another one that I played against today was uh, Talran Sky Summoner. You know, that that card is just... You know, anyone who's been playing Commander for a while will tell you how frustrating that card is to play against. <laughs> but it's another creature where just right from the get-go, as soon as you slam Talrand, you're going to start getting value out of it. So that, that would be another suggestion that I make to people is try to keep your first Commanders, if they're not Planeswalkers, to be really value-focused. Yep, I totally agree with that recommendation. Cool. All right. Well, so that will conclude our little brawl primer here. And before we go, uh, John suggested this, and I really loved the idea. We wanted to just talk a little bit about health and wellness, and specifically a lot of mental health and wellness during this time of the coronavirus, because we know that so many people are going to be trapped at home and not, you know, out of their regular routines. And probably just wanting to play a lot of magic and all that kind of stuff. And so John actually works in the public health sector. And so he thought, and I thought it was a fantastic idea, that this would be a really great time to just go over a few suggestions as far as how to keep yourself mentally fit and just enjoying your life during what is one of the biggest global problems that any of us will have dealt with in our lifetime. So... Yeah, take it away, Johnny. Well, I, I agree with you entirely. There's there's none of us that haven't experienced some sort of um, pretty dramatic shift in our life in some way. Totally. We will all remember this, right? Like people will look back on this time and say, where were you when coronavirus hit? You know, what were you doing in your life? What did you end up doing mm-hmm. as a result of coronavirus? And what I, I like that you're just mentioning right there is that we're, you know, predicting a future where we're getting past this yeah. and uh, where we're then connecting in positive ways about it. Um, and I, I think that's just what I want to just encourage people to do now, uh, sooner than later. You know, um, there's, there's nothing that I think we need to wait for in order to take some really easy and I think simple proactive steps to just sort of being better people to ourselves and to the people around us. Um, and speaking from like magic code, you know, I, I'm thinking of those, those questions. I'm, I'm curious, Arjuna, did your, when your, uh, you know, parental figures were looking at you starting to play magic, did they see it as a, an addiction or a, uh, means of socialization? <laughs> yeah, I think that my parents probably just thought of it as another game, you know, <laughs> but right. I also like, I didn't really have much pocket money, so uh-huh. I wasn't the kind of person who was even particularly able to just obsess over it to the exclusion mm-hmm. of everything else in my life. Right. Yeah. Blow your entire paycheck on booster packs. Yeah. I, when I By the time I had my first job, I wasn't playing Magic, so you know, I, I managed to kind of avoid that challenge. <laughs> How about you? Like, What are you thinking about in relation to this question? I, I think it's pretty easy for any habit to border on that line, right? As as yeah. some means to like a, a healthy expression or creative outlet or a gathering and socializing. And, you know, magic has one really important word that a lot of us get to celebrate, and that's gathering. And mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, looking around right now, that's the number one 
thing that we're really hearing people uh, recommend and discourage is gathering with groups at all. In fact, just in our, you're in my play group, I've seen suggestions on, let's just do a four person EDH pod. And other people are like, nah, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You know, cause yeah. right now I think there's, there's smart, and serious and scientific recommendations and all kinds of different arenas. But if we're all going to play at the most safe, we're unfortunately not getting together at our usual magic tables. And that's a bummer, yeah. man. <laughs> I miss you. Like, I'm not being totally serious. Like, I miss hanging out with your face right now and uh, drafting with our friends. And so I've been thinking with you even, how do we turn this electronically? You know, thankfully we all have computers and hopefully headsets and hopefully we can get in the corner of our house where we might not annoy our moms if we're still living with our parents at home or, you know, if we have partners at home or animals or kids or whatever, you know, how do we still make time and find time to do this thing that I think gives us not just joy from playing a game, but because there's a really cool social aspect. Again, that's in the name, right? It says it's the gathering. Yeah. A lot of, you know, anyone who plays in papers, probably not going to their FNMs anymore. Anyone who plays tournaments or just goes to, has any kind of convention coming up. Those have pretty much all been canceled. And so I, I couldn't agree with you more. There was one thing that I wanted to note here when you were talking about like people getting together in small pods or whatever. And, and, you know, ultimately everyone makes their own choices, but I do really want to just encourage people to follow the guidelines of your governments, uh, health officials, you know, the, whatever you're hearing in the news. I think it's really important at this time because it's easy to be blasé and just think, oh, well, I'm just, I'm, it's not that many people and I trust all these people and they're not going to show up if they're not sick and whatever. And first of all, you know, you can be an asymptomatic carrier. So that's that's the first thing to remember about this. The second thing is, and it just reminds me, um, not to get all sex ed right here, but it kind of reminds me of the the talk that we got in sex ed where it was like, you know, when you're getting intimate with someone, you're basically signing up for every other person they've ever been intimate with. And, you know, any disease that they might have been exposed to, you might get exposed to, right? I'm going to steal that. I like that. Yeah. And so I think that during the coronavirus, it's kind of like that. It's like every person that you are close to, you're basically signing up for every person that person has been close to for the last month. So it's not to say, you know, that you shouldn't still go to the grocery store and you need stuff or whatever, but maybe try to avoid non-essential contact with other people for the moment. I, I've got... People in my life that are on wild ends of the spectrum who are essentially laughing at this, um, all the way to people who aren't, you know, aren't leaving the house. Um, and so, without making any recommendations, I would I would just say make sure to have information because it's out there. There's lots of it out there, and just make sure you're informed about things. And um, you know, and I think tagging this back to taking care of yourself around all of this are. Most of our routines are changed, are different. And thinking about how to incorporate arena into a routine instead of it being a distraction kind of, I think, could potentially allow it to be something different and better. You know, we both have friends even in our playgroup here in town that are 
wildly opposed to the format of Arena and Magic Online because they've been collectors for life. And they've got these amazing collections full of amazing magic cards and decks built with careful thought and precision considered. And it's a bummer when you don't get to use those cards. So they use them all the time, preferably to Arena, and, and have really fought against it. And it might be that time that we see people even like that making a different choice to like gather on this format. And how cool, they just added chatting you know, with the people. And so I've been chatting with anybody I see on just to say, hey, how are you? Um, and you might be considered a people in a different way right now. You know, like this is maybe something silly, Arjuna, but I'm kind of curious if you've experienced poor sportsmanship on arena. Just, you mean like right now, or do you mean just in general on arena? I'm just, you know, like there have been a couple gamers where I, I maybe am drawing a conclusion or making an assumption that their computer didn't just... Like you know, hang. short circuit yeah, and like yeah, yeah. close the program. I kind of feel like they're waiting until the end of their timer to hit go yeah. just because they know they're going to lose or win or they don't like a play I did or, yeah. you know, maybe I clicked hello at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I wonder if sometimes that's out there. Yeah, I I think that you raise a good point that it's just important to remember that this is a time of duress for many people and... I agree. Just like taking that extra step to be nice, even if it's just clicking hello at the beginning of your game, maybe just saying good game when someone beats you, that kind of thing. Um, I agree. I think it's it's just really important to consider the impact of there's just a lot of people dealing with a lot right now. And, you know, maybe let's say you just crushed someone and they're getting kind of salty, right? And just maybe remembering, you know, this person might be in a pretty bad way in their life right now and magic is the thing they're trying to do and you know it hasn't been going their way today and they're kind of bummed about it right so just i think that's a really good point is just trying to be as gentle as you can be trying to be supportive just trying to be polite and and digging a little bit deeper to find those things than you might ordinarily have a little goes a long way sometimes yeah you know it's it's totally. interesting i've wondered what the reception of the player on the other side is when they actually do make a good play and they are about to like totally dominate me and i say nice because i mean it yeah and and they're just like good game at the end and you can kind of maybe get a sense through again you're kind of making assumptions through the five selections we have (laughs) but i i appreciate it i appreciate when someone says hello and good game and you know nice on my good plays you know so i wonder if we each just take that one extra step it might might be that little bit of nugget yeah i love it so just wanted to do a quick plug for my discord and also just discords in general really great way to connect with other players during this time We've, uh, Johnny and I have both been pretty regularly hopping in the little streaming channel in this ArenaCraft Discord and people show up, you know, they come, they say hi, they watch the games, we talk about things, whatever. It's been a really great way for just people to be a little bit more connected during this time and to just keep the mood fun, keep it light, check in, share this thing that we love doing. And like you said, just getting a little bit more of gathering up in there. You're super great. You inspire some really cool conversations, and uh, I I appreciate your uh, your input for other people. You always have some really awesome ideas and comments, and other people post in decks, and you know, wanted to just chat for a couple minutes. It seems like you do a really awesome job of making yourself available and putting it out there on a regular basis. We all appreciate it. 
Thank you. I yeah, I really do try. Um, I love Discord. I love community. It's one of the reasons I do podcasts, and I really do try to. You know, if someone jumps into the Discord and has an idea or whatever, I, I try to interact. And I've gotten great ideas from our Discord as well. So that's another thing. You know, just the other day, uh, Mr. Granada's shout out to Mr. Granada's uh, jumped in and was like, "Hey, how about the uh, how about the Doom Whisperer Oro combo, right?" And I was like, "Doom Whisperer, I've, I forgot about that card." And I built a whole deck around it, and I spent a couple of days playing that on the ladder, and that was just because of one comment that someone made in our Discord, you know. So, yeah, I wanted to call you out for that as well, Johnny. You've been sharing decks, helping people out, interacting, and I really appreciate it. And I know that other people do as well. It's definitely helping people during this time. I'm gonna say this. I, I um, maybe was joking at first, but the more that I think and consider my comment about being old man magic player, like, <laughs> I might have some sort of personal resistance to things like, you know, have you heard the latest podcast? And for a while, I will admit I was rolling my eyes like podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, the Discord server is something that I'm now uh, mildly addicted to getting updates about, um, and I generally do not appreciate new social formats like that so you got me sold somehow awesome yeah another another convert i love it (laughs) i love it pleasure to have you man so uh before we close out you know i just wanted to ask like from your more professional standpoint are there any recommendations or guidelines that you can toss people just generally as someone who works in public health on a day-to-day basis like what should the average person just be trying to do, think about, remember on a day-to-day basis during this time? You know, it's, it's a little bit of like a rewind in time. Um, and, it, you know, we are really able to connect with each other in all these unique and new ways. So I would just first encourage, like, stay in touch with the people around you, your close friends especially. Find a way to connect with the magic players you maybe used to see at the shop. And and maybe, like, check in with them on a Facebook or Instagram or, or Twitter or something. You know, like, find a way to connect with the people that are in your community. Support your local gaming store. Don't buy magic cards from Amazon. Find a way to, you know, order your magic cards by packs, either by mail to be safe, or find out what couple hours your store is still open in town to go support them. Because magic card stores are going to take a huge hit. Um, and just thinking specifically about how to support this community from that sort of you know, vantage point or lens. I I think online retailers are offering a ton of really cool deals right now and they're making, a, you know, a ton of money, I'm sure because of it, because a lot of us are not going to our local shops as much, like you said. Um, and, and so connect with your community, connect with your people. I make it a habit now looking through my contact list and trying at least every Monday, Tuesday, once a week, send a message to everybody. Why not? You know, what's what's the harm in just reaching out and saying, hey, I hope you're okay. How are you weathering this? Is there anything I can do? Do you want to chat sometime? Um, a few of us have a little extra time on our hands, so I think taking an intentional moment to reach out to the people around you who may be having a little bit of a harder time with this, either by means of anxiety or, gosh, I can't, you know, some people are isolated already by themselves. You know, if you know anybody who doesn't have a roommate who lives by themselves, like, make sure they're okay. Make sure that they're still connecting with people and able to get outside on a bike ride. And, you know, I don't think there's too much harm in 
hiking six feet away from a friend, meet him at a park and, you know, maybe not toss a Frisbee to each other, <laughs> but maybe you go for a walk or, you know, a bike ride or a skateboard or, you know, swing at a park. I mean, try some things. Maybe you've taken off your list of things that you would have tried in the past. Try some new things, write letters. I love getting mail. Don't you? Oh yeah. It's so cool. Definitely a fading odd. <laughs> so that's a really good recommendation. Yeah. I know. It's also just a good time to do things like spring cleaning, right? Just, you know, <laughs> clean your house or go through Ooh, stuff. My, uh, my cupboards and drawers, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been fi- I've been finding shit I didn't even know was there. Oh, yeah. You know, find those socks that you lost two years ago, right? <laughs> uh, try to discover just how much loose change is in your couch, right? This is good, <laughs> good things to do. You might be pleasantly surprised. That's what you might you might find that magic card. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sort your magic collection if you're a paper player. That's a that's a big one. Something I always need a bit more of in my life. That's a. I mean, a real serious, awesome suggestion. You know, tune your EDH decks. Build a cube. And I'm not kidding when I suggest that. Like, I've got some friends in town that I've been encouraging to make a cube ever since I've known them a decade ago, and it's just that one thing. You know, like I imagine in, in that worst case scenario, right? You got a house fire. What do you save? You save your animals and your family and, you know, all the, all the important like pictures. But if you got to make a decision from like 15 binders and like a five slot box, you're not carrying that out, but you can grab your cube. There you Just go. Just make that case. You can always <laughs> cut and run with the cube. And if you ever decide, because you're in that broke situation to like, oh, I got to sell everything, keep a cube. You can still play with all your friends. <laughs> I love it. Disaster preparedness <laughs> with John Peterson. I love it. <laughs> the real hot takes here. Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, before we cut out here, because we're going to have to stop this one in a moment, but I just wanted to say that a little bit later on this afternoon, a friend of mine has organized like a little group get together with a bunch of friends from California because he's a buddy of mine from California we all knew a bunch of people when we lived there and so it's just like a little virtual online get together of just let's catch up let's chat let's he was even talking about like playing a card game that he has that we could maybe play digitally so that's just an example of something that one of my friends is doing to keep the connection and try to keep everyone sane And I really liked that. So I think that there are just a lot of things that you can do, even if it's just Skyping with your parents or, yeah, just finding a way to reach out. I think it's very important during these times. You don't necessarily know what other people are going through. Yeah, it's it's just so key for us to not lose that connection in this time because who knows how long we're all going to be cooped up here. Who knows what kind of a toll that's going to take on us over time. So I think getting out ahead of it and being proactive is a really good idea. Well, let me ask you, gracious host, uh, what what sort of a secondary outlet, hobby, whatever, like I'm curious, like if in a get to know you a tiny bit more, what sort of thing would you keep your time busy with if it wasn't building a deck or whatever? Do you have any like artistic hobbies, side hobbies? It's it's funny, actually, because a lot of what I've been doing with my free time during this time is just getting into this magic community, making connections, stuff like that, right? It's, it's been a really good time for me to do that. Uh, just growing the podcast and whatever. 
But yeah, I've I've been rediscovering my yoga practice because, you know, I work from home and spend a lot of time in front of the computer and my neck gets stiff, my shoulders get stiff, my body's just not feeling its best lately. And so, yeah, I've just been rediscovering yoga. That's been something that really helps to just keep me tuned, keep me feeling good, keep me sleeping a little better. Uh, I've also been cooking more. You know, now's a, just a really good time to... You know, you've probably got a lot of food at home if you've been paying attention and whatever. And, you know, now's a good time to just get into some cooking and try some stuff out and maybe surprise your partner with something nice. I've been doing a lot of roasting vegetables lately, like baking potatoes, stuff like that. You know, the oven is a really magical place. You turn it on, you put whatever it is, whether it's meat, vegetables potatoes whatever you like you want to make right you just stick it in there for however long hours one hour two hours all day whatever it is and you just pull it out and it's just magically transformed it's like anything that you put in the oven is going to be more delicious when you take it out of the oven so that's the secret with stuff like brussels sprouts you don't like brussels sprouts just cover them in butter throw them in the oven for an hour pull them out i guarantee you they will be better and it's so easy, right? You just, you put it in, you set a timer, play a couple games of magic, and then it's done. If you don't like it, put butter on it, fry it a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just, I guarantee you any vegetable, just throw it in the oven with some butter, some salt, some pepper, maybe pull it out half an hour, 45 minutes. You will enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those, those are my simple tips, you know, and, and it's funny because that's, that is stuff that I am doing by myself but it's nurturing. You know what I mean? I'm taking care of myself. I'm feeding myself. I'm getting exercise. It's stuff that makes me happy. So it, it's, um, you know, just keeping my, you know, my serotonin up or whatever. So yeah, totally, totally love it. I have a recipe for cauldron familiar I'll give you. Okay. All right. A little roasted cat. <laughs> I love it. Put it right in your oven. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Perfect nourishment during these dark times. Well, John, it's been a pleasure talking with you. We're going to have to cut out right now, but I can't thank you enough for your time during these trying times. I hope that you stay safe. I hope your family is good. Thank you so much for coming on this show and sharing your wisdom with us. Likewise. Thank you so much, sir. Have a great rest of your day. Awesome. And if you want to catch up with John, you can do so by finding him on our Discord channel. His name is Gunslinger Chalks. So you can look him up there. Thanks again for being here. I really appreciate your participation in this community. And before I go, I wanted to let you know I'm doing a very cool thing this upcoming week. It's a collaboration with my good friend, Absurd Heroine, who you heard on this show just a couple weeks ago. And we're going to do a fun thing. We are going to do what's called a death match. This is a format that I came up with. And it's basically where instead of trying to win, you are the person trying to lose first. And so she and I have brewed some decks. We don't know each other's decks. And we're basically going into it with the sole purpose of trying to lose the game before the opponent does. So we're going to play a match and see how it goes. I'm pretty excited. And I will be live streaming this on my Twitch account. So you can look that up, Arena Craft Pod. And I'm going to be doing that at 5 p.m. Pacific time this coming Thursday. That's March 26th, so again, 5 p.m. Pacific time, 
This Thursday, March 26th, going to be a streaming showdown with Absurd Heroine and me. I'm really excited about it. I hope you will come and join us. And again, you can find that Twitter account at ArenaCraftPod. All right, so thanks much, and we'll be coming back to you next week. I have a, a really cool guest lined up next week that you are not going to want to miss. It's a beloved person in the community, so I'm really excited about that. Once more, follow on Twitter, YouTube, like our Facebook page, join the Discord, leave a review on iTunes, win a $20 prize, and everyone will be happy. So stay safe out there. I know things are tough, and just keep your spirits up, do what you can, and I will catch you next week. Dream.